0: From starting a graduate program to accepting a job opportunity, new professional experiences can lead to a lot of life changes. This might mean moving to a new city, adapting to an unfamiliar environment, and realizing that your friends and family are far away. Lauren Beard, a 2017 graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, found herself in this type of situation when she began her PhD program at the University of Chicago. At first, Lauren struggled with feelings of isolation and disconnection. In today's episode, Lauren shares with fellow QuestBridge alum, Jamile Jean-Léger, how she was able to recenter her focus on mental health and wellness and to find communities of belonging in this new space. I'm Grace Sun, and this is The Quest Continues.
1: Jamilay, your host for today's episode. Today, we'll be talking about two very important topics, prioritizing mental health and finding communities of belonging. For many questions, finding peers who make us feel seen and heard can make all the difference. Our guest today is Lauren Beer, a QB alum who graduated from the University of Pennsylvania in 2017. How are you doing today, Lauren? I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you? Doing you went ALK, really excited to chat with you about your background. So maybe we'll just even dive there first before we kind of speak to like larger topics. Can you tell us just a little bit about your college experience and your professional path thus far?
2: Sure, totally. Okay, so college experience wise, yeah, I went to Penn. Uh, started in 2013, graduated in 2017. While I was there, I studied neuroscience and global studies. I was a double major. Very neuroscience heavy though, like worked in a lab all throughout college where we mostly did like computational neuroscience kind of psychiatry work, uh, and that's actually worked after college too. During college, had a super strong first-gen low-income community, was very involved in QuestBridge, and also like I was very fortunate in my time at Penn, the first kind of like first gen low income student coalition was really coming to the fore and so that was also very active uh, and I was an active member in my time there and then I moved on graduated in 2017 worked in that lab for a year applied to phd programs which was like totally unexpected like definitely was not like planning for it until like much later in college and I'm still really like surprised about it um and ultimately started at the University of Chicago in 2018.
1: And am now I just finished my fifth year of school. Thanks for sharing it. So it was a bit unexpected. Do you Can you even pinpoint what steered you on to that path of academia?
2: Yeah, I know. I think about this a lot because I think that for me, it didn't feel like there was one specific tipping point moment. But I knew going into school that I was like very interested in mental health, and that was going to be at the center of my career, like hopefully, uh, and like regardless of anything else, that that would be the thing that stayed. But I wasn't particularly sure how I would go about pursuing that thing, or like what would be the path um, that would be best suited to my interests. And so, yeah, when I started, a lot of people around me started working in research labs. It was really common among my other friends. It was like a great work-study opportunity. And I had a professor um, who basically just like advertised a position. And so I was like, great, let me make some money and (laughs) build some skills doing more like quantitative work that seemed like useful to have. I knew would like work towards a lot of careers and like didn't really know what I was getting myself into. So over the course of college, I stayed on that neuroscience path. I did all the pre-med requirements because I knew that medical school was a viable path for people who want to have a secure career where they can make money, and I knew it was related to my topic of topics of interest. But I think like a lot of college students like as I got closer, like junior year, I was really like, "Okay, like I don't totally know what I want to do. I have these like interests" I love reading and I like to do my data science work in the lab, but like, what does that mean? And so I was really fortunate that I had a very close advisor who was the head of the lab that I worked in and would really sit with me and talk about like, what do you want your daily life to look like? What kind of things do you want to be working towards? And he actually was a psychiatrist, so he hadn't been in a PhD program, but like worked with many other researchers who had. And essentially like through him and my other kind of basic college advisor, they really encouraged me to like think about different career options. And then the last person I think who really pushed it over the edge for me was this kind of informal Questy mentor that I had where essentially she was a Quest alum who was at Penn in a PhD program in anthropology and education at the time. And I just like really loved her. I thought the work she was doing was super fascinating. I thought her lifestyle was like really cool that she was like asking these research questions and designing these projects. And I think she and her experience tipped over the edge for me as being financially possible uh, because I always thought about the academic route is like something that was very high risk, low reward, like didn't pay well uh, and was like really discouraged in the process of school. So by the end, I think through some key people, I realized that it was viable and I got really excited about it.
1: Yeah, that's a career path that probably seems inaccessible unless you kind of hear the really lived experiences of others and kind of can see yourself um, in those shoes. I'm curious about you mentioning like mental health being a bit of a cornerstone and whatever work that you were going to pursue that is going to be present in some capacity. Can you share just what, maybe particularly motivated you to pursue kind of mental health related work?
2: Totally. Yeah. So for me, I think it does feel like there's a couple of layers there. And I think kind of like the key primary one is just coming out of a family and community context where there's just a lot of intergenerational trauma, like traumas that were really caught up with, you know, cycles of poverty and this kind of like classic idea of broken homes and strange relationships. Issues with like substances, and I think really existing in a context where um, there just wasn't a very strong mental health safety net. And those, like, with those supports not being available, and with a lot of the stigma and shame that comes around seeking help or like seeking help and then having it become caught up in other systems, things like child welfare, or the concerns about intervention. That for me felt very, very salient as here's like this critical missing link that I'm seeing across multiple generations in my family and numerous community members who, like, really do seem to be struggling and like want to do better and be there for each other, but like don't have the supports available to like truly heal with like themselves or with each other. So that context piece for me, like, really carried through. And then I think the other part of it was just, like, my own mental health. It was very challenging. Like, I grew up with a single mom. I was the oldest kid, and there was just, like, a lot of pressure put onto me, like, by family and community members to, like, really be bootstrappy, like, put my head down, like, get the job done, right? Like, go to school, go to work, make money, make the right decisions, and, like, really you know, put my feelings like to the side. And I think that I did that successfully and I was able to do it in a way that got me to a place like a pen. But it was also very painful. And I think that I developed a lot of like not so great coping mechanisms, hadn't really learned to care for myself, like really struggled to like trust and open up to people. And that was something that I wanted to see myself like work on and grow to take care of my own mental health and as a byproduct, then be able to go back to family members or other people in my life and do that work with them. So I think in that way, the context and my own sort of personal navigation like brought that thing to the fore.
1: Thanks for contextualizing that, for us. Can I ask how this background kind of shows up in your day-to-day now or in the work that you do in terms of your career trajectory or your research?
2: I think one of the like things I've really loved about being in my program is that I have a lot of autonomy and flexibility to create the kinds of projects and do the kinds of work that I think are like worthwhile and personally meaningful. And so the huge through line of like all the projects that I'm on is very much focusing on mental health, mental health supports, and the safety net for marginalized youth and young adults. So I've done work that spans, like, suicide prevention and education, really thinking about, you know, in these suicide clusters, like, in high schools where there's, like, mass and kind of unexpected suicide rates, like, why is that happening and what needs to happen to undo and respond to that issue? You know, I've also been able to work on things, like, thinking about young people who are brought into the child welfare system and are engaged in foster care, What sorts of supports are they receiving or not receiving? We know, there's like super high rates of mental health diagnoses among foster youth and among families that become caught up in that system. And so, so much of my work is really at that level of saying like, okay, you know, we have these systems and institutions in place. Like we have schools, we have nonprofits, like we have people who are there to do the work and want to do the work. But why is it not working? Why is it causing so much harm? And how do all these negative spillover effects happen? And so for me, it's really about saying, okay, with that working foundation, what can we do to upend these problems and create a better mental health safety net and also just a more robust mental health culture that isn't
1: just for like a subset of our society? That sounds like such important work. Can you even take us, from the beginning. Um, so, what was it like to first start your grad program at e chicago
2: That's a slightly different tenor. So, <laughs> I will say, like, currently, I really love my program. I'm like so happy to be there. I feel very settled, and like I've come into myself. The beginning was honestly very hard. I, I did not enjoy the transition in, and for me, that mirrored also college. Like, I don't like transitions. I'm not very good at transitions. And so I came to Chicago, like not really knowing anyone, I moved with my partner. And I think that just the adjustment to the school was very challenging. So kind of like I mentioned, like at Penn in an undergrad, I had this very robust first gen low income community, like many people who had shared experiences to me who were oriented around similar issues, like like shared values and ethics like we're guiding our work and our futures um and when I came to UChicago I kind of assumed like okay like I've been in one elite institution it had its challenges but it was all about finding my people and it like worked out and I thought that I'd be able to replicate the same thing and that was not entirely true so essentially like no surprise that um You know, academia is like typically highly elite, like particularly at these like top tier institutions, like there are certain types of people that are typically in PhD programs. And so I really lost a lot of that robust community that I was connecting with. And at the same time, I had like pretty recently come out and was like struggling in my sexuality. And so there's just a lot of layers to what was going on during that transition. Um and so definitely like the first year I felt really lost. I had taken like one sociology class before entering the PhD program. Like I knew that there were faculty there who were doing super cool projects that I was excited about and I had been in research groups, but I was just very overwhelmed. Um and so fortunately by the end of that year I basically got connected with an advisor who again, like really transformed my experience. Like, she's not a first gen low income, like student or person, but like really cared about supporting marginalized students, connecting students with like people and spaces that were going to be affirming of their identities. Uh, and also was just like present to the issues that I was facing that I was like, I am concerned about my finances. Like this isn't the most lucrative business, like being on this PhD stipend. Like I'm trying to figure out my life in Chicago. And I feel like she saw me as a whole person and really took me under her wing. And that like really eased the rest of it.
1: Yeah. I kind of want to hear a little bit more about how this advisor was able to actually connect you to or like help you understand communities of belonging at UChicago. Chicago
2: yeah okay totally I think so a couple of things I definitely went into the PhD program like not being totally sure if I was going to stay the entire time that I had a sort of test run model so I knew a lot of people who had gone to PhD programs and decided to master out so like stayed for two years got the master's and then they were like bye like this was good and now I'll go work in industry and so I went in strongly with that model So for the first two years, I was very much like, I'm learning, I'm gaining skills. If I wanna leave, I have this exit. And I kind of kept that in the back of my mind. It was funny because at the end of my second year is when COVID hit, right? So like, there was no exit. Uh, The exit was like to my apartment to stay home. And so that really like, you know, diverted any plans that I had of leaving. And at the same time, like that's where this advisor who had taken me under wing, under her wing, like had gotten me connected with first-gen, low-income faculty, was like looping me into spaces that were like with other queer students, was like you know go to this event or like you might like this group of people. Um, really showed up in the context of COVID, and so my kind of like academic community, as sort of emergent and uncertain as it was definitely broke down. And because I was like living in Chicago with my partner, I wasn't living in the neighborhood where the school was. So she and I were living in a neighborhood that was in between her work and my school. So it was very isolating. And that was a time where I really came to realize like how much having my advisor as this key person like, could shape my experience. And that was through basic things. It was, like, through check-in calls, by, like, continuing to have weekly reading groups, by doing peer mentoring between older students and younger students, and, like, showing us that even through this, like, world-altering moment that we could continue to build relationships with each other and pursue types of projects and work that we wanted to I think when things were feeling fairly bleak and like many people I knew were like, maybe we'll leave these programs because the whole world is shut down and why are we doing this?
1: Well, those are some unexpected changes, like in terms of what you might've expected and you just kind of had to adapt to them. But I'm curious about this test run model because I wonder to what extent we need to adopt it almost as a practice of life to have test one models and how much can they account for kind of these changes that are necessarily almost unexpected in a way. So is that an approach that you carry through, not just in work, but just in general, as you've approached how you understand your identity and communities that you're involved in? Just curious about that.
2: I feel like I'm a huge advocate of the like, let's just experiment and like see what happens. Like, because I'm like, you know, I'm definitely like, I'm living a life that I never expected to live, you know, from my like community of origin, right? It is like a largely conservative, like more rural white community. There hasn't been that much movement, like, there hasn't been as much exploration. And so I definitely feel a strong sense of like, all right, like, we're just gonna chart a path and kind of see where it goes. And like going to Penn was wild. And it it worked out well enough. Like I graduated. And I think particularly with like, trying to pursue life options, like whether it's careers or relationships, or like, where to live, like so much of it is so unknown. And so for me, the grad school thing, I think is probably the biggest like form of experimentalism that I've ever done. I think that career stuff is very sensitive for particularly for people who have like experienced economic struggles. So that for me was like I'm going to play this game a little bit, but I'm always going to make sure that I have a viable out, right? I'll make sure I like keep up these data science skills and I'll like go to the career center at the school and I'll go to a grad program in a big city because if I need to network and find another job, like it'll exist there. So I think the pragmatic experimental approach has like really gotten me far. And I also think that it opens windows for things that are unexpected. Like I really would have not expected to be in this PhD program or be near graduating at this point because I didn't think it was viable, but I think having a creative approach with the pragmatic thing in the background has like just been like one of my best approaches to doing things.
1: Love that. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I'm thankful that the Quest Community
0: gets to hear about you. The Quest Continues is a production of Questbridge, a nonprofit organization that connects outstanding students from low-income backgrounds with opportunities at top colleges and universities. I would like to thank Jamile Jean-Leger for conducting this interview and Lauren Beard for sharing her story. If you would like to learn more about QuestBridge, please visit us at questbridge.org. If you are interested in contacting us about this podcast or to reach Lauren Beard, please email us at alumni at Thanks, and we hope you join us next time for The Quest Continues.